Hey everyone, it's Alex. I just want to hop in real quick before the recording to let you know that we are starting kind of a new thing that I wanted to direct you towards. Um, Duncan and I started a series called We Must Build a Zoo, which currently has one episode out. It is a YouTube series where we play through Planet Zoo, so you can hop on over to the Thoughts from Player One YouTube and search We Must Build a Zoo, or however you find things on YouTube. I don't know, you'll figure it out. You're good at this. Um, and then, you know, check it out. Let us know if you have any any comments, any feedback. You know, like it, share it, get the word out there. Again, you can always email us, thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com if you have any questions about it. But yeah, it's uh, just a fun little thing we, we figured we'd try out. And you know, if you like it, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll keep doing it. Uh, I like it. Can I let you know? Yeah, you can let me know. Let me know right now. Shower me with praise. Oh, it's uh, it's very good. I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Okay. Is that enough showering? Or I mean, did you get I under mean, the pits? I'm barely wet, but hold, hold on, that's not really, well. <laughs> I hear that a lot. It's okay. Okay. All right. Well, check it out, YouTube. We must build a zoo. Thoughts from Player One, YouTube. Thanks, and uh, let's get into the episode now. Hello and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one narrative or story-focused game. I struggled on the word narrative that time. Yeah, you did, uh, but you know what? That's okay. As always, as always, I'm Alex, and joining me this time is special guest Michael. Michael, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm pretty excited for our first ever Just You and Me, Alex and Michael episode. Yeah, buckle up, kids. Get ready for mediocrity you've only seen on previous episodes that I've been on. Okay. Uh, Yes, Uh, Duncan is not joining us this time. He was incredibly busy, and we're recording this kind of last minute. We're recording it. Actually, this got kind of a weird energy, because not only is it the first episode you and I have ever done, it is also the earliest we have ever recorded an episode of Thoughts from Player One in the three-year history of this podcast. It's so, true. We've done it. We're doing it before noon up. today. I it's, know. Um, kind it feels of bullshit. wrong. It feels awful. I hate it so it's much. actually the worst. <laughs> but, you know, we're here. We've got to get an episode out. Um, all of us are going on vacation soon for the holidays to exactly the same place. So we figured let's get it out now so we don't have to try and record on location. So that's good. Um, oh, but what if we I did guess... record on location? Hey, we could do a Friendsgiving not. special. No, that sounds terrible. You oh, know, that's... seeing our faces <laughs> would just boost viewership. I don't think, no, I don't think me seeing anyone's face while I record would do anything good for me. Um <laughs> Like, yeah, Duncan's so such a I handsome guess... boy. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, it's too distracting. It's way too distracting, man. Um, so I, I, let's, let's get it out there. This is technically, this episode is going up on Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this the day after, I guess happy Black Friday. Very fitting that we'll talk about Black Friday on an episode where we continue to talk about the outer worlds, which is all about corporations ruining the world. So, you know, capitalism. Huzzah! Capitalism! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as mentioned, we are going to continue talking about the Outer Worlds. This episode, for real this time, we're actually going to talk about Roseway. We are going to talk about Groundbreaker. And we are going to briefly touch on Cilia and probably the first time you go to Dr. Phineas as well's lab. Um, and then we'll just kind of, you know, talk about all that. So those are the points that you'll want to have played up and through if you plan on listening to this episode. I know we said we would cover those all last episode. 
We didn't. I we were big fat liars. We <laughs> we're gonna get it. We've got morning time energy now. So morning time, yeah. Be easy. And we're definitely gonna keep our promise this time. There's Whoa. there's no possible way we don't get through just Groundbreaker, and that's it. <laughs> if there's one thing Thoughts from Player One is known for, it's for keeping promises and not frequently saying we'll play this game next and then never touching it. So. <laughs> Uh, speaking of promises, I still haven't gotten paid. Um, uh, yeah, it's it should be. Yeah, Canada Mail takes a while. It it'll get there. I that's promise. True. We sent the, we sent that check before Thanksgiving last year, so it should be there pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. The carrier moose usually does get lost on the way, and it that's, is hunting yeah. season, so <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. I hope they avoid that check. We just made it out to cash, so yikes. Oof. Oh, jeez. Well, God, I shouldn't have left you those specific instructions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get out of this. Let's uh, let's dive into the fucking game. Let's do it, huh? Sound oh, good? Yeah. You know what? That sounds great to me. You want to start with... Uh, what should we start with? I feel like we should start with Groundbreaker because that's where you go, and that's going to be kind of the bulk of this conversation because that's where most of the interesting stuff happens, and it's where I have maybe the more positive things to say in this um, set of planets. That's yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I, yeah. So all around. Let's hop in. Um, if you were listening through last time, we got through the entirety of Edgewater, the kind of the first planet, and just a very brief summary because Groundbreaker is kind of... Like the, there is a story that you follow on there, but it's very loose. Um, it's not a ton happens. It's much more dialogue focused. So just kind of a, a brief overview. You get onto Groundbreaker. You find out your ship kind of gets um, locked into place. So you can't leave again until you talk to um, Udam Bedford, who is the kind of the person in charge of all of that. The person who ordered your ship to be locked. He is the um, corporate board's. Like, he, he's a fancy aristocrat. He's from Byzantine. He's, a, he's got all, he's got the deep pockets. You know, he kind of owns the joint. Essentially, yeah, he is on paper. He is the bureaucrat in charge. Um, but important to note, Groundbreaker is not technically board-owned territory. It is this giant floating. Or I guess probably not floating. Like um, ship I'd, I'd station. Floating. Yeah, it's in space. What do you now do that in I space? Think about it for literally thought about it for half a second, realized I'm an idiot. It's floating. It floats in space. <laughs> um, this this big kind of like way station point um, that is again just strictly not under board control. The board has a presence on there, but it is you know it is independent from them and kind of fiercely so. Um, it is you know you, as you walk through. You just kind of like talk to a bunch of people. You pick up a ton of side quests, a lot that resolve in Groundbreaker, a lot that have you go off of Groundbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the main two kind of quest lines there are talking to Udon Bedford, who tries to convince you to turn in Phineas Wells if you know anything about it, um, and which we'll talk about because I thought that was an interesting conversation, and um, kind of working to help the chief engineer of the ship, Jun Lee. I think that's her name. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's her name. Yeah. Um, help her with a couple of problems around Groundbreaker, which also leads to the beginning of um, Parvati's... A beautiful friendship. <laughs> <laughs> um, story quest, which is uh, absolutely fucking great. I love it so much. I love it so, so much. So we'll talk about that quite a bit as well. Um, but I guess before we start any of that, I want to kind of get your feeling. How did you feel about Groundbreaker? How did this, this whole area strike you with its you know, intense walking around and talking to people? That was like really the main focus was just kind of a story dump, but in a gameplay-focused way. So, I mean, you and I have disagreed on this before when we were doing our playthrough. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you think it's uh, a lot more dialogue-focused, and it is pretty dialogue-focused, mm-hmm. but... Um, I mean, there is a fair bit of combat in there to to break things up. I thought it was 
uh, a little bit more balanced than you think it is, um, mm-hmm. or have alluded to it being. Um, so, I yeah. mean, yeah. Um, I would say it's probably like 65% talking, 35% combat sort of thing. I I feel differently, but again, you did more combat encounters than I did, I think, when yeah. we discussed it. I mean, so... Yeah, but I mean, overall, Groundbreaker, I thought, was a great kind of, like, mainstay into the uh, series and kind of, like, kind of setting things up for the feel and what's going to be happening. It's a little bit more of a hub world, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and it was just interesting all around. Just the quests were different enough to keep me interested, and um, I think, so, in Groundbreaker was my first real wow moment of the game. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. As you get in and you get past the guards, you kind of have to, like, get through some guard systems in order to actually get into the main part of Groundbreaker. Um, But as you open up the first main set of doors, you're just uh, berated with all of these neon signs. And it's just this beautifully framed grand entryway into this great hall. And that was the first time I, I literally just said, like, whoa, like, out loud. Yeah, sitting alone, <laughs> talking to myself, being like, "Damn, that is actually really cool." It was a, it was such a interesting moment because you get that initial view, like those enormous doors open, and you get that huge grand view of like all the lights and everything. And like my initial reaction was very much like, "Wow, that's you know, like you said, that's gorgeous, that's incredible." But like the doors are not open for a half a second before an advertisement bot here left starts spewing <laughs> off stuff about like, "Have you tried this new product?" And like looking at the signs, you see they're all like various shops trying to peddle you different things, and like it. It kind of has a one-two punch that I loved a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, that was like, hey, this is like this beautiful vista. And even though it's not board control, it's still a capitalist hellscape. And you're like, ah, okay, cool. Capitalist hellscape should be like the, the tagline of this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, and, they, they go for it. Yeah, yeah, and Groundbreaker just doesn't, you know, lose any sense of that. This game has a message. And it is, this is gorgeous, but also they want your money and cap. Like, this is all 100% predatory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, hey, it works. Um, I actually want to talk about the area right before that wow moment, though, real quick. Yeah. Um, Because it is the introduction. I guess I should preface. I I liked Groundbreaker, but I I was kind of done with it by the time it was over. I just think it felt a little bit too long, at least with the the path I went through. Mm -hmm. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I took less of a complete all the quests on Groundbreaker that I can and then go somewhere else and complete quests and then go somewhere else and then come back to Groundbreaker. Like, I think it would have been... I, I think it would have done the game a service to, like, go there and then leave and come back and leave and come back a little more freely as opposed to just trying to complete everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was how I felt about it. Um, but the very first time you land on Groundbreaker, um, if you have Vicar Max with you, you know, his quest line involves going to go get some some information about where he can find somebody who can translate a book, uh, and the place you find that information is kind of in a guard station to the left at the front there, kind of in the back, they have, you know, a bunch of, I think, jail cells, maybe? Yeah, um, yeah. But they have, they're holding yeah, cells. Yeah, holding cells, and the information is in there, which allows you to, for the first time, test out the... Um, technology that Phineas Wells gave you that allows you to kind of cloak yourself you know you find an ID card basically and you can cloak yourself and your companions to look like you belong in that area yeah um which I was really interested in because personally I don't love like stealth in these games that much just because I'm not like it's not my preferred play style um but I know some people do it so I was like hey cool this is like a fun way to 
show stealth and like have it be interesting without me having to put a bunch of points into it and like spend a lot of time with it so hey this looks cool um and the way that mechanic works is you like walk past you know this like very clearly delineated area that says like security or whatever um and then immediately you you know holographically transform to look like you're there and you get a little bar on the bottom that slowly drains whenever you're moving or like interacting or people are looking at you um and it doesn't really drain when you're standing still which is like hey you have this long before your disguise fails basically yeah and people Um, start to notice that oh yeah no this guy's a hologram there's something off about this guy and then they'll come up to you and say like hey what are you doing here and then you have the uh, you have a a dialogue option to either persuade them to fuck off or intimidate them to fuck off or you mm-hmm. know there's there's different ways to tell people to fuck off and then your bar just gets filled all the way back up and you get to do it, it again up to three times and that that is where this kind of broke for me is like it's extremely easy it's like, so to the easy. point that i don't even think they should have included the bar mechanic because it's like you get three chances to fuck up and you have to walk like 25 feet to get a book and then you leave and the second you leave and then come back in it completely recharges your bar and like you leaving and coming back in nobody notices that they don't notice that like you are physically changing and look totally different oh yeah that Um, really brought me out of it although it does uh, quick sidebar if you go do go to the front and you know you talk to one of the guards through Mm -hmm. like the the two-way glass um i had uh parvati with me and the way the AI worked, she just went into the back, into the guard <laughs> station, totally undisguised, and just was like hanging out there, staring at me. I'm like, huh, we're not allowed back there, huh? <laughs> that happened oh, every that time I so talked much. to the guard. It was fantastic. It's so dumb. I love it. It um, was great. So yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight that. That mechanic comes up a couple times in the rest of what we've played, um, but it, it's just... It's an instance of a mechanic that sounded really, really cool, and then in practice was just like, well, I don't really... Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't do much for me, but I was really excited for it. Maybe they'll expand on it later. I'm kind of hopeful that you'll have to go through like longer areas where you'll have to be really careful about who sees you, or you'll have to be like, have a really good speech check. And, and again, yeah. I think there were ways to just talk your way back there, I'm pretty sure, anyway, um, because games like this always have multiple paths and I, I saw one that looked like it was possible to do that so I, I think it would have been possible no matter what but just something I wanted to to kind of bring up um, because it's basically the only time we'll talk about Vicar Max because I didn't do any of his story yet Woo! Um, everything's on Monarch so going forward from there I want to talk about I want to talk about Junlei and, and Parvati a lot but I want to talk about Unam Bedford first because I think he is kind of like the principal story component in this area because he's that's literally what you have to do to continue yeah. on um, and he's the only interaction with the board that you get on the ship. Um, and man, Udon Bedford, Bedford is an interesting character because um, in the, he's kind of like in the, the previous yeah, town in Edgewater, the leader whose name is totally escaping me, Reed Thompson. Uh, Reed <laughs> Thompson. He is kind of that equivalent here. But with Reed Thompson, they crafted like this character who initially seemed really shitty. And then they kind of like had a couple of different things to the point where you could see him like, I don't think he's a good person, but he's in a difficult spot. I understand where he's coming from, but, like, you know, he's he's a nuanced character to some degree. Udon Bedford is just an unlikable piece of shit that has nothing good going for him. He and just looks perfect. like a fucking mole. He's the worst. He looks like a mole. <laughs> he looks like a thumb. Oh, he's the worst. You talk to him, and he's just 
nothing about him is redeeming at all. It's like a he's a cartoon villain in the middle of this ship. It's wild. He is a spoiled piece. It is some real bullshit. Yeah. Did you um, did you actually sneak up and see his quarters at all? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, I I, I did. They're fancy. There's nothing there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of about what I expected. Um, the whole conversation with Unam really just boils down to um, you mentioning that, like, hey, I you blocked up my ship, and him going, hey, you're not Captain Alex, and me going, yes, I am. That's what I named my character. This is really fucking. <laughs> you were still confused at this point. <laughs> I didn't figure that out until probably the next planet or so. It's fine. Don't worry about Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, he kind of had a, I don't know. It was a friendship. I, friendship is a strong word for it. A one-way friendship. Yes, he had a one-way friendship with um, previous Captain Alex Hawthorne where he was consistently asking him for information about Phineas Wells. and Being and like, hey, Alex we should Hawthorne. hang out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I I can make I can get this really good you know sisty pig over here and just mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, when are you free? I'm I can be free, man. I can be free whenever you're free. Don't I, even worry about. I got it. time. All I do is just <laughs> sit here. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so again, that that whole conversation really just boils down to you being like, yeah, I'm I own this ship now. It's mine. Like you don't even have to tell him that he's dead. Um, and then. Basically being like, hey, you should tell me where Phineas Wells is because we should capture him. I'm evil. And then you basically <laughs> saying no. And him going, ah, drats. Maybe next time. But you <laughs> like, can say yes. You can say yes. So if you are the type of person who is doing that run through, I think this is your your moment to tell him where Phineas Wells is, is, is the impression that I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any idea what that looks like because I didn't do that run. and I, I would love expect- to do that run, though. I bet it's a completely different game. It must be a completely different game. I yeah. I wonder how much changes. I wonder if you just like skip a bunch of missions or if I don't know. I'm I'm very curious. I'm very very curious. Yeah. I mean, how does how does the concept uh, how does the lost ship Hope come up? Like, I have no idea. Do you just bring it up and be like, hey, I'm from Hope, and this guy's like, oh, interesting. Well, I mean, if maybe you want to be friends, maybe we can go find your Hope. (laughs) You know, I'm free anytime, really. I'm turning into yeah. Coach Steve from Big Mouth. <laughs> Very Coach Steve. <laughs> He's like an aristocratic or bureaucratic Coach Steve. That's what this guy is. <laughs> oh fuck, Udam sucks. He is unredeemable. Um, yeah, pretty much. In a way that is like. It was very jarring coming from the kind of nuanced characters on Edgewater, but was also a lot of fun. Um,. I, I don't know. I've heard this game described um, a couple of times now as, like, a good midpoint between Firefly and Futurama. And this is definitely a Futurama-ass character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, but again, you know, he's, like, this big temple character that I assume will play a bigger role later. But he, you basically tell him, I don't know where Phineas Wells is. And he goes, ah, okay. Well, I've unlocked your ship now. Come back and tell me if you find out where he is. And then it's like... <laughs> All you have to yeah. do. There. I mean, the game just kept giving me options to turn up Phineas Wells, and I think like at once I I just said out loud, I'm like, no, quit asking. Jeez, <laughs> I constantly get afraid that I'm going to like fat finger and then turn him in. And be like, ah, <laughs> son of, I didn't mean to do that. Ah, just auto save. Yep. Yep. Um, 
so that that's kind of that whole quest line. There wasn't much there. I just wanted to talk about Unam because I think he's a fun character. Oh yeah. Um, so the other major quest line that runs through here is with Junlei, who is the chief engineer and I think owner and like runs the the ship. Uh, I, I think. I think she's maybe it, more like the de facto leader sort of thing. Yeah, like I thought the ship has. I think it's implied that it has been in her family's like leadership and possession for a couple of generations now. Yeah, there's there's um, a terminal. And by implied, I mean they tell you that. Yeah, they tell <laughs> so. you that directly. Actually, as it turns out, <laughs> yeah. it's quite heavily implied. One might also say directly said. One might say you can read it in a terminal and also talk to her about what it's like to leadership that's been in our family for generations. Yeah, quite um, quite implied. Uh, so you you kind of you go about helping her with various tasks, fixing up the ship, and like you know going into the back to change some things. I don't think any of this was like particularly story wise very interesting because you didn't do much of anything. Yeah. Uh, but I did find her character really good. She's like, a, you know, obviously she's an engineer, but she's also like fiercely protective of the ship from the board and is trying to toe a line where she is trying to stick it to the board as much as possible but not so much so that they think it is worth it to just build a different groundbreaker that is completely under their control Mm -hmm. and like forego the use of this one and i think that's a really interesting line to have this character tell like this is definitely much more of the nuanced character that's like ah you're on the right side but you're trapped in such shitty circumstances that i feel really bad for you yeah Um, like there's a game that has to be played yeah and and this is something that people often experience you know in real life situations too which just makes her so um what's the word i'm looking for uh relatable right it yeah it's a great character i 100 percent agree and something else about her too um that you notice if you go through certain dialogue options or if you read her journal in her terminal if you're a bad person like I absolutely did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Everything's fair game. Everything's fair game. You find out that she's also like really nervous about being a leader. And um, okay. did you get that at all? I don't think I read too much of that, no. Yeah, well, she, you know, she's fiercely protective of everything, but she's just like, oh man, am I the right decision sort of thing or am i doing this right like i like i don't know how long she's been in the leadership position but you know she's not like unshakable she yeah. she seems like it to her crew but you know inside she's like i have no idea what i'm doing like just like <laughs> most people like every feel. good leader yeah. exactly the imposter syndrome and i thought that was great too because you don't yeah. usually see that usually they want heroes to be these larger than life figures especially mm-hmm. portrayed in video games or cinema or anything like that and um yeah i just uh i really like that little touch too just a great character yeah. yeah she's she's fantastic and this like she is kind of her and udam are largely one of the main issues i have with this game which again i want to be clear i am largely enjoying quite a bit um i I'm excited to continue playing this game now that I, I took a break so that I wouldn't forget everything that happened before we recorded, but I'm mm-hmm. excited to jump back into it. Um, I, I, June Lei is like a really well-written, interesting character that I think has a lot of personality. She has a lot of character flaws. She's not like a stereotype in any way. She's not like, she is just nuanced and well-written and well-designed. And Udam is fun, but is extremely a like cartoon trope. And then a lot of the other characters that you meet on Groundbreaker are, like, kind of one joke, and that's their character. Mm-hmm. And that it makes this whole area feel a little uneven for me. Um, and again, I think I used that term when I was talking about the rest of it. It's like, it just feels like it's got really high highs, 
but you can feel that they were different writers working on different characters in a way that I wasn't necessarily prepared for um, jumping into this game. I don't know if, again, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just like hypercritical of that sort of stuff or hyper aware of it. But well, well, it's it definitely interesting. felt a little weird. To yeah, me. it's I didn't I didn't really notice the imbalance as much, um, and. I, I do like the way that they make these sort of fun, absurdist, simple characters, too. Because I think if they're all well-written and all really, um, you know, complex, sure, that's great for a more serious game. And it doesn't even just have to be humor. I think they're trying to make a point about kind of absurdism and, you know, mm-hmm. the um, the uncaring, unfettering nature of the universe and how everything's kind of silly in the grand scheme of things. Like, what does it all matter anyway? Ah, I'm just going to be rich and, you know, shit on people. And, yeah, you want to tell me where Phineas Wells is? No? Oh, I'll get you whatever next time. You know, I think that's great. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of balanced in that way, too. I think it might be tiring if everyone was so compli- complex and they keep throwing all these hard questions at you. I, I feel like Udon is almost like a, like a port in the night sort of absurdist character that you can just sit there and kind of laugh at them and you don't have to think that hard um and that's that's kind of how i you know oversee that sort of thing like the guy trapped in the toilet totally absurdist and then you um there's the uh medic whose name i'm already forgetting that i yep yep (laughs) yep great yep she's a little bit more complex too you know as all the companions that you get are yeah Um, Uh, the companion characters again the companion characters all feel that way the companion characters are all well-designed nuanced characters that have a lot going on um and i think it's interesting um i do agree with you that they're like kind of playing with different ideas with some of these characters i think the the part where it becomes grading is that most all of the side characters you meet fall into that absurdist area, right? It's like major plot point characters will be one or the other, but then everyone you meet, like you might have a lot of dialogue with them, Mm -hmm. but they don't really have any depth to their character. Mm. Whereas it, it just feels a little like juxtaposed. Like some of them don't feel absurdist, but they do feel like tropey in a way. Okay. Um, Which again, and I want to be clear, like, this was not something that was horribly bothersome to me. It's just, it contributed to my wanting to be done with Groundbreaker by the time Groundbreaker was over. Oh, that's a fair point. I can definitely see where you're coming from with that, too. Because you're right, there are, most of this, uh, like, side quests and side characters are for comedic effect. Like our yeah. Zap Bradigan character that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yep, yep. Um, so, <clears throat> that is kind of, that. that's June Lei. Um as her character, again, she doesn't give you too many terribly interesting quests, um, as far as I remember, so I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on there. And they're not, I don't think any of them are actually story essential. I think you can pretty much ignore all of them. I think so, yeah. Um, but there are a lot of fun little quests and characters on Groundbreaker that I do want to talk about a little bit. Um, the first thing that I do want to highlight um, is that there is a shopkeeper whose name I'm going to Google because I <laughs> forgot what it was. Oh, but man. He is, Maybe my favorite character in the entire game so far. I would agree. Um, who is just like, he's just selling wares, and he's wearing that giant fucking stupid Spacer's Choice moon head that you see everywhere. And he's just the epitome of retail worker who is dead inside through and through and it's so good because he doesn't he doesn't like have special quests or anything like that you just talk to him and he's constantly just monotone trying to feed corporate lines to whatever question you ask 
of him and you can get really granular and like uh do you like how do you eat with that thing on (laughs) and like well what about like why would i buy spacer's choice if like it's going to break for sure and he is constantly delivering just out of this world lines. There's a uh, okay. out of this world was okay. bad. That was bad. I didn't mean to do we that. We should end the podcast <laughs> right now because it's not going to get any better than that, folks. <laughs> I feel bad. I shouldn't have said out of this world. That was my, that was a mistake. Yeah, I shouldn't have done. <laughs> but you did, and you're going to have to live with that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But he's he's fantastic um and you can kind of like if you follow down um the conversational lines with him, you can get to a point where like he talks a little bit more candidly about how he doesn't like it um, and he talks a little bit more candidly about kind of his situation Um, and I think the thing about him that made me like kind of turn a little bit because he is a hilarious dialogue conversation but then if you go to the terminal like a little Mm -hmm. bit down the way he you can hack into it and he is still logged in and you get just like a bunch of messages from him to his mom talking about how like he's doing great and you know just like blatantly lying to his mom and his mom being really worried that like is he really following his passion is he happy is he being like beaten down by this and it's oh it's heartbreaking in a very much damn yeah it's like, Retail oh, yeah, sucks, man. F- maybe five more years of this, and maybe I'll be able to afford a flight back home. Like, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Oh, God. Martin Callahan, that's his name. Martin All right, Callahan. I found it. Yeah. God, he's, he's fucking great. Oh, um, and, and also in that journal, just quick sidebar, um, yeah. you, you can see, like, his emails to corporate being like, oh, no, I... Like, my mask is defective, and it's all... Yep. Yeah. And if you go around and steal from him, which... If you're a bad person, you did. Um, you can actually go and steal his defective mask and wear it, which is <laughs> which is great. Did you do that? I did not. Oh, I definitely it, wore that for a little bit and ran around in third person. It was very good. Do you get any special dialogue if you talk to him while wearing the mask? <gasps> I didn't think about that. Oh, oh I shit. bet you would. I, I bet, bet you, you would. would get at least something. Oh, dude. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm going back. You to should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, do that. Report next podcast because that sounds fucking great. Absolutely. I don't know. What uh, what other quests or, or NPCs do you want to highlight in Groundbreaker? Did you do the basement one with the fungus and the, the guy with the flamethrower? That's a weird <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's, that's the quest. quest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't... Um, you and I kind of resolved that quest differently. I think we resolved that quest the same way, and then you decided to take a turn on it. Um, oh, yeah. I so have my you're, reasons. You're, you're tasked with kind of going down into the basement to, I think you're trying to, like, turn something on, right? I forget exactly uh, why you go down there. Um, no, that's where, you get, uh, that's where you get uh, the, the heating coil for, the heat induction coil for uh, the AC system on Groundbreaker. Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, so you go down there, um, and the reason that somebody hasn't just gone into the basement to get it is the basement is kind of, like, overrun by With stoners. Game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a gang of outlaws, and they've been growing this fungus that makes them trip balls for weeks at a time. Yep. And yep. You, and you go in there, and you're immediately greeted by, its I think his name is like McRed or something like that? Uh, McCreed. I McCreed, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's got these massive mutton chop sideburns and these welder's goggles, and he just goes right up to you and points his flamethrower at you and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> and you have the option to... Uh, either talk him out of it, which I don't think my persuasion was high enough at the time, or mm. pay him off, or you can just try to fight him. And this is one of those situations for me where the game had that uh, that difficulty ramping up problem again, because I was just like, mm. I'm just going to kill these guys. And then 
I took a shot at him, and then he wiped my team (laughs) immediately. It was rough. I don't think I finished that until after I did all of Roseway. Really? Um, Yeah, because it was a hard fight. Like, there's a lot of them down there. Yeah. The flamethrower does a lot of damage. I I persuasioned my way through it, and he just says, you know, he just lets you go through and take it. Um, But I definitely did get that impression walking through, looking around me, and like, holy shit. There's a lot of people here. Yeah. I am glad I didn't choose to fight this. I don't know that I would have won this fight. Yeah, There's I, a lot of people here. I ended up just paying them off. <laughs> I, so I paid them off, finished the the quest, and also I think you can rescue an engineer down there that has oh, been kind of taken okay. hostage. Um, and, yeah, she's kind of like holed up in one of the side rooms. But you can also go, mm-hmm. and if you poke your head around, you can see where they've been growing all this fungus. And one of the engineers down there had a had a terminal and you read it and says like oh yeah i've been down here for weeks and they keep making me grow these mushrooms and oh they're just tripping balls forever starting to smell really bad i think i'm gonna poison the mushrooms and then oh god and then clearly he didn't because they're all down there and he's nowhere to be found and yeah didn't get any of that huh no i i did not i walked back to my thing where the quest marker was and i picked it up and i said huh all right, and then I went back upstairs, and that was that. That was that. I mean, look, I, I went back after I leveled up enough and got big guns to uh, to go back and just clear them all out. Mm-hmm. My reasoning was like... Just do a good bit of murder. Yeah, you know, a, a fair bit of murder. There's a bit of that about right now. But um, there, it, my reasoning was, you know, if there were a bunch of, you know, very aggressive uh, or murderous outlaw stoners in my basement <laughs> mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. i wouldn't Not want my basement no i'd hire the cops to go and kill them <laughs> <laughs> that is historically how cops work <laughs> Just in the last decade. Anyway. <laughs> ah, that's not true either. <laughs> You're right. Uh, oh. I'm so sorry. Ooh, Kevin, uh, Cut yeah. out my ignorance from this podcast, please. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand that reasoning. Like, it, and I think there is a couple of characters do say something to that effect of, like, I mean, we're going to have to deal with them eventually because, like, we will need to get down there and make sure the ship can still run and, like, they're very dangerous and they could blow the ship up on accident. Oh, yeah. So, like, I do get that reasoning. Um, I just, you know, it, it the game said Persuasion 50. I had Persuasion 50. <laughs> I clicked the button. That's all that is. There is no, like, extra layer of thought that goes into that. It's just like, oh. I can pass it with the persuasion check. Well, I've been putting points into it. I might as well. <laughs> um, so, Fair you enough. Um, yeah, so that, is there any other major quest you want to cover on Groundbreaker? Yeah, let's, let's do Parvati real quick. Oh, Parvati's quest line is perfect. And Duncan's not here to naysay her character anymore. Thank so like, God. She honestly, is a treasure. She is a gem. The best. One might even she's call so her good. a jewel of sorts. <laughs> I just made that up. I feel good about that. That was a very good joke. That's a very good joke. Um, so Parvati's quest line is great here because basically you land and she's like, "Hey, I want to go talk to the chief engineer because like I feel like she could probably teach me a lot because Parvati's an engineer." Um, and you do that, and all of the dialogue between Parvati and Junlei is like really cute and like vaguely flirtatious and you're like oh okay something something's maybe going on here uh and then when you talk to parvati again on the ship 
uh, she reveals that, like, oh, actually, mm, yeah, I've definitely got a crush on Junlei, and, like, her entire quest line becomes you trying to, like, convince her to work up the courage to ask out Junlei, and then, like, <laughs> help her read and decipher different messages that they've sent, and, like, what is actually being said there, and what the poetry means, yeah. and it's just, oh, it's all the most fun it kind of culminates in uh, um you and her and one other companion like going to a bar to get drunk so she can like work up the courage to like talk about all of this even though she like very clearly stated earlier that she doesn't drink which that part was a little weird for me to be like "Ooh, i don't have high enough perception to not drink right now right yeah i was so upset about that because i'm like i really <laughs> like, don't per- want to do this like it alcohol is wild. not the answer contrary to what i was taught in undergrad <laughs> 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 but it was like it had the it was like perception three mm, parvati what's really going on here it's like, motherfucker you don't need a high perception to ask that question you can figure out there's something going on here it's not that terribly flush cheeks nervous flop sweat oh god i think she's got a stomach bug <laughs> <laughs> uh so that that entire quest line is great um that is also where um Parvati reveals to you at some point that uh, she is actually asexual. Um, But the thing that I like about this game uh, and the way that this particular scene is written is that's not like, it's not a throw-off line, but it's also not like trying to be the core of her character. It's just like really well represented as, oh, hey, here is this thing about me that causes a little more anxiety. And here is like my description of what it's like to be living as an asexual person and like the issues i have had with it in the past with previous relationships and why they have caused me to like kind of stay away from that yeah and it's like just extremely well done and well handled in a way that like you see i would venture to say extremely little to no representation of asexual people in like popular video games at all so it was really surprising to see that and even more surprising to see it handled in a way that like felt natural and good yeah um i think the one of the only uh, kind of exposures I've had to any like asexual cultures because of BoJack Horseman and Todd's characters. Mm-hmm. Spoilers in retrospect, my bad. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's from like season three or whatever when they introduced it. Right. So. Yeah, and that's you're right because this was extremely well handled. I don't even think it was ever explicitly said or like had that label of asexuality to it. It was she just told. I don't this, think so. Yeah. Yeah, she just told the story of like, oh well, there was this person before back in uh, Edgewater, you know, that I had a thing with, but, you know, it, it just never really worked out because I just was never interested in the physical aspect of it. And I thought it was just so beautifully handled. And, you know, she still gets all kind of, you know, nervous and flirty and it's really cute. And it's just like, it's well, some adorable. people, I guess I just don't, I've never operated that way. And I'm like, that's great. Let's go hook you up with Joan Lay. This is amazing. Yeah. Because I'm sure she feels the same. It was incredibly, incredibly well done, and I was exceedingly happy. And, like, you know, this one had the trappings of a quest that I shouldn't have liked, like, in terms of the way that it's delivered, because it is a lot of, like, ah, talk to me when you get back to the ship, and then, like, fast travel to the ship, and then fast travel off the ship, and then fast travel to the ship, and Mm -hmm. then fast travel off the ship. Um, But the conversations were just so endearing every time, and it's just... It's so much fun, and it's so pure in this world that is just filled to the brim with fucking trash garbage people. 
Uh, I I absolutely love Trick West Line. It was is probably top three favorite parts of the game so far for me. Oh yeah, I, I would I would venture to say that's yeah, top three yeah. for sure. So that's good. I don't have much more to say about that. I just think it's fantastic. Did you get a drunk? Um, I did. Unfortunately, you don't have a choice. If your perception's low, you don't really get a choice. Well, okay, you can you can choose what she drinks, and then you can just. Probably get her to black out. I don't know. I didn't go that route. You can also just be like, yeah. all right, one was enough. Let's get you some water, champ. Yeah, and I that, love that. That is what I did. Okay, and, good. And also, she has one, and she's like, whoo, I am really feeling it. Like, yeah, yeah. she's never drank before. That's great. Yeah. I wonder if she gets, like, blackout drunk and then just, like, stumbles over to Junelay and be like, I got something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would also be very good. Um, but yes, conclusion of that quest is very much that, like, I mean, I, I shouldn't yeah. say conclusion because I'm mid of it, but Junlei is Receptive. interested in her in the same way. And, like, the whole hook of it came that Junlei was trying to, like, wrote poetry basically talking about her ex. And it was like, you have an entire portion where you're like, what does this probably mean? And it was admittedly a weird thing to do. But it was a lot of fun to try and, like, decipher what somebody else could have meant by mm-hmm. these types of messages that they're sending and why they would have sent those messages. And also it trying was... to calm down Parvati in the process. Yes. It was great. It felt very, very human in a way that I loved. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm good. on. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else on Groundbreaker? Because I feel like we've spent uh, enough time there. Yeah. And, I mean, and... we've, we've, we've talked enough about it. There's a, there's a bunch of little things, like a guy trapped in a toilet. Getting mm-hmm. a new companion. Uh, yes, you do get you get two new companions on Groundbreaker. I have spent very little time with either of them. You get a doctor who I'm actually I'm gonna look up her name because it is bothering Ellie. me right now. It was now. Ellie. Ellie, um, and then you also get kind of like a, a, you know, a kid who has had a lot of troubles with the law. Felix. Who is Felix? I'm who good is, at this. Um, you are. You're, you're much better at this than I am right now. I didn't remember his name either. I'm a little I stinky. Won't. Oh God. <laughs> um. Felix is very good. I like Felix. Um, again, I can't talk to about Ellie because I've spent literally no time with her whatsoever. Um, but Felix does have a very good thing where you go to pick him, like you go to leave, and he is standing outside your ship and petitions to like be a part of your crew. I forgot about and this. Literally pulls out like a basically a cover letter that he wrote <laughs> about why he should be part of your crew. And <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Very endearing and hilariously bad. And uh, I absolutely loved it. He's great. His companion ability is just like you point at somebody and he runs over and fucking drop kicks them. <laughs> is that so? I haven't used him yet. That's fantastic. <laughs> Extremely good. I love it so much. That's a very Felix uh, move to do. Yep. It's it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about Roseway, which is kind of the next place that I went to. This is back on Terra 2. You actually get a quest to go over here to um, figure out, like, find some information that you can trade to... Um, a character on Groundbreaker so you can get permission to land on Monarch. That's kind of the whole reason you went to Groundbreaker is to eventually make your way to Monarch. Um, so you go and you land at Roseway, and the whole thing about this kind of, like, the trapping of this this quest in this area is, like, oh, there's some sort of a distress signal coming from here. Like, something has gone terribly wrong. You need to, like, go figure out what it is. And you land there, um, and you kind of, like, you know, make a straight line into the city, which is all like blocked off, and the walls are closed, and there's a bunch of guards, and it's it, it's there's a lot of bodies. Looks, 
there's a lot of bodies. It looks to be in like total disrepair. It looks like it's being attacked. Um, and you kind of find out that maybe some like there are a bunch of marauders around and some experiments went like real wrong. And so there were a bunch of raptodons that like got loose and were, were killing everybody. Um, Roseway is really interesting uh, because my first impression was like, I'm going to really like this area. I think this is cool. Like, I like this kind of like, oh, man, it's just like a small group of people that are like barely alive and they're like fighting for their lives. And I'm, I'm interested to see what like what happens when survival instinct hits the edge of this like capitalism where they're obviously telling people to like, you know, still tow the company line, still do whatever you need to do. But people are dying. Keep calm and carry think, on. They just don't land it at all, I thought, Ooh. in this particular area. Because like you walk in and it's like everything is ruined and, like, it's still sort of business as usual, but not even in a way that, like, felt cynical, just in a way that felt like they didn't address what I was hoping they would address. It just felt like another town when you walked into it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like, exactly how I felt, too. Um, yeah, and it was such an interesting space for them to play in and, like, an area where you're basically forced to go. I don't know why they just didn't lean into it you know and there could be a lot of reasons maybe it just didn't work the way they wanted to maybe you know they didn't have a lot of development time on it or maybe this is just what they wanted to portray was just like hey this is always kind of how it stays but it it felt really flat for me going through this entire area yeah and and this is something that we had kind of talked about uh a little bit before we started recording today Mm -hmm. um this area was uh and maybe you'll agree with me kind of forgettable (laughs) um yeah, I. When I think about this like, game, Roseway is just this blank void in my memory for the most <laughs> part, <laughs> except for one has, thing which pissed me off. But yeah, go on. Okay, it does have the fun um, hook of like the reason all this had. Like you meet the scientist and he basically tells you to go to this lab and figure everything out and go get his like you know research and formula and everything like that so that you can you know return it to him uh, and they can carry on and i do think it's great that the entire reason all of this is like fucked up is because the scientist had discovered a way to create diet toothpaste diet Um, toothpaste shit that suppresses your appetite but has the wonderful side effect of making you go blind yeah (laughs) which you get some very, very, very good, like, if you hack into a terminal and read some emails from the scientist working on it, it's like, hey, it makes people go blind, and marketing being like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. And like, Just improve the, the flavor. Like, focus on the flavor here, you know. Marketing, <laughs> let the boys in marketing worry about the blindness part, you know. Literally telling him, stop working on fixing the blindness, we'll take care of it in marketing. <laughs> Which is extremely good. I loved that little bit there. Um, that was a but very everything good else, bit. Yeah. Everything else about this, it felt, it felt also really disjointed. Um, so again, very overarching. You go in there, meet that scientist. He tells you to go there, um, and then you, you, one way or another, make your way over to this lab where this is all kind of going on, um, and you can resolve what happens there in a number of ways you can fight your way through everybody you can like kind of sneak through you meet a um, leader of a squad of outlaws who was trying to break in there to to steal that um uh, recipe is the wrong word but i'm forgetting formula so i'm gonna say recipe it's, it's formula um, it's probably formula but recipe makes it sound like i could make it at home so i like that too um <laughs> You, to steal that information and then you like there's a bunch of other like side things you can do there's like a you know like a raptodon matriarch in there and there's like kind of a quest to try and kill all of the other raptodons and then subdue the matriarch 
There's, you know, when you meet that uh, outlaw leader, you can resolve things either by, like, fighting them or, like, fighting a way for them to get out, like, you know, kind of clearing a path. There's, like, security forces in the area that you have to kind of talk down. There's a lot of, like, competing um, elements here, but it felt like at least when I went through, it felt like I just didn't hit them in the correct order. Like, I don't remember talking to security forces full stop. Like, I, I'm sure I must have, but I don't remember well, doing no, it. Well, they no, were, they were just kind of, like, tucked away near one of the possible entrances that I think was just the harder entrance to get to. Um, okay, and that's weird. And they're just holed up in one room. That's the whole thing. These these outlaws are, like, everywhere, and you're fighting them. Same thing with the Raptodons. And there's no way for you to miss the outlaw leader, but mm-hmm. I can absolutely see why you could just resolve the quest and just not talk to the security forces at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, I must have not because I don't. I very sure I didn't. Then yeah. I mean, I explored um, the whole place and I found them. And what you can do with them is you can convince them to just leave and then let the outlaws just do their thing and go. Be like, ah, mm-hmm. no, we've seen enough bloodshed. You know, um, just just walk away from this one big guy and they're like ah but our pride and i'm like eh, fuck your pride and but you don't have to do that either like you can also just clear out all the raptodons and a couple enemies and let the outlaws leave without ever talking to the security exactly yeah and i had no idea that was an option until (laughs) you did it that way um It's, it's bizarre and like there's a um you know, I completed this quest, and this kind of feeds into everything. And after I completed the quest, I kept talking to people in the town and realized there were just a bunch of other side objectives they were hoping that I would do yeah. while I was there. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, but this, I would have had to talk to a ton of people to catch all these side objectives. And, like, I closed off paths to a ton of them beforehand just because of the way that I went through everything. Mm-hmm. It felt really disjointed. Like, it felt like it was kind of thrown together without a clear critical path which i don't necessarily mind but i it didn't work for me this time because it just felt like there were too many options that were interacting with each other mm-hmm. but not in a way that like forced you to consider the interaction yeah it was just uh, it, like oh yeah you could do it sort of i don't know i think it could have been cool if yeah like you said if there was a way that said okay here's all of these interacting uh like mechanisms to, and you have to do them beforehand before you go out. They're, they should be kind of maybe not shoehorned in, but there should be. It should be more apparent, maybe, because it, it's shitty yeah. if you if you skip all of it. I talked to everyone before I went out, so I had mm. all of these options, which was it was okay, I guess. But it did just seem like again, like a series of disjointed fetch fetch quests, essentially. Like this, yeah. that was this whole area, and mm-hmm. I, and I think I figured and- out why this area was so forgettable to me. Um, why is that it just felt a lot like edgewater it, it yeah and and, and, I, and it's even on the same planet that's true i mean that's fair that's why it would feel like edgewater it was the same sort of frontier town you know the same modular housing sort of thing um it was just kind of fetch quest but like edgewater sticks out to me more in my mind than roseway does maybe it's because well, it edgewater was has like edgewater has a point to make it has like teeth to the ideas that it's presenting to you yeah this could have been more or less cut and paste into any like futuristic sci-fi game and i wouldn't really have been able to tell the difference yeah it didn't feel like roseway had an identity to it at all it was just like ah here's a side quest and it feels like a side quest it's yeah i very much agree it was yeah here's four or five fetch quests in an area that you've seen before uh that doesn't really have a big 
great. Yeah. All right. Again, diet toothpaste, fucking hilarious. Very Love good. That, yes. that <laughs> um, is the, the well, probably the only redeeming factor about this whole thing. The other thing I will say about this area is you you talk to that outlaw leader. Um, you have the option to talk to her quite a bit, and she explains that like, oh yeah, she came here to steal the uh, the recipe for the diet toothpaste, and you know basically like fuck the corporations. I'm gonna like screw them over any way I can. You have a lot of dialogue with her, and I was convinced she was going to end up becoming a potential party member. Me too. Because, like, yeah. I would I would have loved her on my team. She was great. She was cool. She was like very much fuck the man, let's do this. Yeah. And then like you don't have an option and it it just felt like I don't mind that they're like, oh yeah, this person wouldn't have joined your crew, but I super wanted the option to be like, hey, you should join up with me. Fuck the corporations, let's do this. It would have been great for that play through. Absolutely. Even get that option. Yeah. Um Man. Which, again, and that was the other thing was like, hey, these outlaws, um, and I did, I, I mentioned this last episode that, like, we were going to talk more about marauders on Roseway, um, and you pointed out um, off mic that, like, actually, these are outlaws. There's not marauders on Roseway, um, and that that is true. These are not marauders. They are indistinguishable from marauders. That's true. Um, they look exactly the same. I thought I was killing marauders, and this is kind of what gave me the, like, uh, not crisis, but like the hey, you are not really consistent here. Um, it just feels weird that like marauders look exactly the same, and murdering them is good. But these outlaws, ah, these outlaws are basically the good guys. They're just going about it in a really radical sort of way. Yeah. It's like okay, well, I don't know. Again, it's just part of like Rose. It, the whole area didn't have any teeth. It didn't have a point. It just was like, hey, we have more assets. Let's put them together and a framing of of diet toothpaste. But you do get to steal the recipe and like decide what to do with it that's kind of interesting i guess yeah i don't know that was all right i kept it it was cool i told i told the scientist guy fuck off you don't get this back this is mine now yeah so that was cool but yeah i feel like i don't want to spend any more time here because we're really just dunking on this area pretty hard pretty but it much, wasn't yeah. very good it wasn't very good yeah, yeah. um so let's talk about cilia just a little bit because what you have told me is there's more to do here that i have not yet done mm-hmm. um but i do think it was a really cool area it's kind of like this um moon type area that you go to i think it, it's just a moon i don't know why i, I think it's an asteroid <laughs> isn't it okay is it i don't know it's they're terraforming it. why would they terraform an asteroid well i don't think they're terraforming it. maybe they're just making a bubble so that they can live in it and like do the thing also i just want to point out that you are pulling a duncan right now um it's just scylla pretty sure damn yeah i think you're right hold on i'm hold pretty on. sure it's it scylla. i'm gonna look it up too Yep, it's just Scylla. It's just Damn. Scylla. The, one of the, one Damn, of those. and it is an asteroid. Mm. Damn. Fuck. Yep. Oh, I'm so good at things. I'm two for two. That's why it's you bring me early, on the man. podcast. It's too early. It's too early. I'm replacing Duncan. I'm just kidding. Oh. I can't replace Duncan. He's way funnier than me. He's <laughs> too funny. And he's um, such a cutie pie. I just want to pinch his cheeks. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, so, Zilla is this kind of asteroid. Um, you go there to find some medical supplies that were supposed to be have sent, or supposed to have been sent to Groundbreaker already, but were not. I think they're actually, like, surgical bots, uh, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the only, like, story beat that you get there at this point is going over and being introduced, um, you know, fighting your way through and then being introduced to the very Zap Brannigan-esque captain who is supposed to, like be saving the day and was very much just like captured and held at gunpoint and like yep completely helpless whatsoever and as soon as you save him he hops up and he's like ah good i was just about to spring into action (laughs) (laughs) i was had it totally under control but i guess thanks anyway um which is very good but i found out apparently um if you bring ellie with you she has like special dialogue because the two of them have a history 
Uh, and it made me very sad that I did not have her on my team at that point because I would have been really interested oh. to kind of tease into that a little bit. Um, yeah, that would have been cool. I mean, maybe if there's a medical mission, bring the doctor? Hey, I didn't have the doctor at that point. So, you know. That's fair. I still went Vicar Max and Parvati because they literally never leave my rotation. They're just, they're so good. They're so good together. (laughs) Speaking of which, I saw this great meme. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know you don't like memes on the podcast. Hey, man, there's nothing better on the podcast than starting a sentence off with, I saw this great meme. No, it was a picture of Parvati and Vicar Max. And Parvati's just going like, so, uh, Vicar, can I call you uh, Vicky? And then. Vicar Max is just like, absolutely fucking not. And I thought it was very good because that's how they interact. That's beautiful. I'm going to add in 25 seconds of silence right after you said that just to really hammer home. Maybe I'll get some crickets chirping just so you know the memes are not welcome on this podcast. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um so the the reason I want to talk about Scylla is I think it is a like that little interaction was fun, but there's really it's like, you know, four minutes or whatever. There's really not much there. It's just kind of cool that it's, hey, basically Zap Brannigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this area was incredibly cool. Like, there's a giant terraforming bubble machine in the middle that, like, creates a livable area for everyone in there. Mm-hmm. And, like, the scale of that machine was incredibly cool. And also, this is, like, the first area in the game for me since the beginning where the enemies were, like, actually difficult. Um, oh, not yeah. the human enemies. There's a bunch of human enemies, and they get murdered easily as I always, easy as they always have. Um, but there's like a bunch of giant, like mutated raptodon monsters, and I, it got to the very extremely Fallout ass fight where I was like, "Well, my both my companions are down, and I only have this one big guy left, but all he can do is chase me, so I'm just gonna run in circles <laughs> and turn around and pop off two shots, and then keep running in circles and turn around and pop off two shots." Yeah. Um, it, in a way that felt really satisfying, like. You know, I don't think that's the most interesting combat sequence in the world, obviously, but it was cool to be like, ah, yeah, I remember what it's like to, like, have to fight really hard to survive in this game, and it's a good feeling. Of course, by the end, I had gotten, like, a better sniper rifle and put a bunch of attachments on it, and I, like, one-shotting things Mm -hmm. again, but for a brief minute there, for a brief moment, I I remembered what it was like. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah, I didn't have that much trouble with it. I think I went to Scylla pretty overpowered at that point. Got so it. I didn't yeah, have I that same pretty quick. So. Yeah. Did you see? Um. So the landing dock, the landing pad lands right next to essentially this giant downship that's overrun with marauders. Um, did yeah. you see the story behind that? Huh? I don't think so. Yeah. There's a terminal that's just like, oh yeah, no, we're bringing in a circus troupe for all the miners so that we can <laughs> entertain them. <laughs> So that's the remains of a ship that brought a fucking circus to this terraformed asteroid. The circus, including the Raptodon mutants that then overran and killed everyone. Fucking probably. That is is explicitly stated later that that's what happened. That's how it is? Okay. Oh, fuck. I love that area. It's very, yeah. Um, There's one little thing. There's, and it's this attention to detail that I fucking loved. Um, As I'm walking around this asteroid... I see, like, tufts of grass around, right? And in my head, I'm like, mm. ah, game designers, what are you doing? Why are you using these assets around an asteroid? There shouldn't be any plants here. And then you go to a terminal, and it's like, oh, yeah, I think someone, like, tracked in some grass seed or something, like, on their feet. <laughs> and, like, it's starting to pop up on the asteroid. And I'm like, wow, they actually explained it. <laughs> I'm wow. very impressed. I totally missed that. That's fucking awesome. It's very good. I was very happy with that. I'm like, 
immersion reinstated. I'm all on board. <laughs> the grass was the uh, tipping point for me, but was it. but I'm it was back the grass in. Make or break, but it's all good. Uh, yeah, th- this area is cool. There's also um, I love shit like this. This this is something that has been very much missing. Um, I think in in this game compared to again like Fallout's and Skyrim's, which you know it may be an unfair comparison, but it's basically exactly what this game is. Um, there's a like a little chest that you can find somewhere in like a cave on Scylla that's got like a lockpick level that is way higher than anything else I've encountered so far. It was like a lockpick level of 80 or something, whereas everything else I'd seen was like 45 and I couldn't pick the lock. And like that's such a small thing, right? It's like, hey, there's probably nothing interesting in there. It is probably a couple like ammo and maybe some good guns and that's about it, but nothing particularly interesting. But, but just knowing it. that's there makes me so much more eager to like come back later and figure it out and again i fall into this trap all the time there were like some nuclear silos in fallout 3 that you couldn't get into without a lock pick of 100 and i went the whole game fucking pumped to get in there and i get in there and it's just like oh there's a couple enemies to kill and some low level loot and there was a terminal i missed that would have opened this up 30 minutes ago but amazing just that little that little hook does so much for me to make me feel like oh there is stuff in this world like i'm not supposed to know about yet but i can come back and do more yeah and i really like that 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 entices me quite a bit yeah. i don't know why oh i very much agree i can't wait um i think that's really about all i had to say on Scylla. i just wanted to kind of highlight it because i think it's really cool like i think it is a well-designed environment um, and i think coming off of roseway which is what i did immediately before it it felt like a breath of fresh air um, on, a, on an asteroid, really... which is hilarious. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there's there's kind of not too much more to say about that. I think it's just like a, an interesting area. Yeah, and, and we'll be back. There, we'll there's a little bit back. more. Yeah, we'll be back, folks. Okay. So so we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, I think that's pretty much everything we have this episode, I think that's right? a pretty good episode right there. We're all wrapped up. All Put right. A little, with so a little bow we on will, it. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, later hopefully Duncan will be able to join us for the next episode we will probably talk about Monarch and depending on the length of Monarch maybe one place after that we'll see I think Monarch's Uh, gonna be pretty big Monarch seems like it'll be pretty large so yeah we'll uh we'll be back uh again happy Thanksgiving this is coming out on Thanksgiving so if you're listening to it then you know enjoy turkey and if you're listening to it after it I hope you enjoyed turkey or if you are not in the states then happy whatever day you're listening to this it's probably not that important um (laughs) Oh, fuck. I have to do social media. Okay. Oh, yeah. Go, oh. go, go. Ooh. All right. Let's do this. Ah. Never, do, never done this before. <laughs> hey, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. You can check us out. We are at, at ThoughtsFromP1. We tweet, um, I would say, infrequently is how I will choose to describe it. But you'll be able to know whenever we have a new episode up. So that's kind of fun for everyone. Um, you can follow us on Facebook by hopping over to Facebook and just searching thoughts from player one. Um, we post on Facebook, I would say infrequently, <laughs> but hey, you know, you'll know when we have new episodes up. So that's fun for everyone. Um, you can also follow us on um, email. Do you follow people on email? That how that works? I follow you yeah. on email. Hey, that's, that's just because <laughs> I have your password. Um. Oh, very cool. <laughs> um, 
You can reach us at email by emailing thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com. We love feedback. We love any sort of suggestions on what we should play next. Anything like that, by all means, go ahead and, and let us know. Uh, and hey, I said it at the top of the show, but check out our YouTube page now for the first episode of We Must Build a Zoo, a kind of you know, fun, pretty lighthearted playthrough of Planet Zoo that is highly edited. Um, so you can check that out. It should be up by the time this uh, goes live. I think that is it for our social media. Oh, so there's, one, now... there's one more. Um, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, if you like hearing me on this podcast, you can uh, PayPal me some money. My PayPal is <laughs> money, 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 nom, 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 nom. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, no, that's it for me. All right, cool. Cool. That's the first PayPal plug we've ever had. <laughs> Just kidding. It's very fake. Please don't send money to that. <laughs> That's, yeah. That, that I'm sure that goes to somebody. I would be very surprised if that does not go to somebody, but it won't be the right person. <laughs> um, so let's close this episode and get out of here. All right. You, you remember what we're going to do? I, I know. We need to do we need to do a little bit of a lead up because otherwise it'll be hard. So I'll, I'll, I'll count us in. And one, and two, and one, two, three, four. Thoughts it's from a good podcast. One. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did it wrong. I did it wrong. <laughs> oh, no.